0: The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. We're going to wrap up this story in Judges this morning, uh, the story of Samson, this classic Sunday school tale with just maybe a little bit of a different sort of twist on it than maybe what we what we remember. So we'll pick up Judges 16. But before that, uh, last week or so we were up at Hume Lake, and I think some of you heard about that. We had some fun up there. It's a, it's a really kind of cool lake up in, in Sequoia National Park. And predominantly a Christian camp. So if you've, if you've seen it or heard of it or been up there, it's this, this massive Christian camp. Thousands, they minister to tens of thousands of kids every year. They've got a, a boathouse and an ice cream shop, and, and they do games and chapel and worship and just a really cool place to be. And when you go into this camp, though, it feels it's a, it's a private camp, but it's sort of on you know national park land, so there 's a little bit of little bit of both public and private happening, and there 's signs around sort of the more public spaces so they have a big lawn on the lake and near their their boathouse and their ice cream shop and and there 's postings of sort of code of conduct at this at this lake and there 's things like like modesty like we, we, we you need to need to dress modestly if you 're going to be around here, so that 's for women that 's uh, no no two pieces, and for men that's that 's no speedos, which is fantastic, so we don 't have to worry about that. But there's sort of these this rules. There's no tobacco use. There's no alcohol. There's no drugs. There's uh, guidelines as far as music. There's all these rules on the camp for the campers. Even if you're not a camper and you're just passing through through for the day, you walk onto this in, into this environment. You are under these guidelines, under these under these rules. And if you have, you know, we've seen if you show up in a in a in a skimpy bathing suit, someone will come over and ask you to put on a t-shirt or cover up. So you're under this. This sort of protection of this of this camp, and they have these these rules. They ask you to adhere by whether you're in the camp or not. So all the campers do that. They learn, and, and, it, and it creates a really cool, safe space, safe environment. Um, But about a mile down around the lake, there's a place called Sandy Cove. And Sandy Cove doesn't have these signs. That's a public beach. Anyone can show up there and play whatever music they like and drink and smoke whatever they like and do whatever they like. It's it's just sort of public. It's a public access beach. And, of course, so the kids love to take their canoes and go around to that beach during during camp time. And so they have to send uh, lifeguards over there and counselors to kind of keep an eye on them because it's this one spot that you can't see from the camp. And that's, of course, where everybody wants to go. Uh, We went over there one day, and there's some cool creeks up there and and a trail, and it's just a a fun spot to explore as well. So we're walking over there, and we've got a little little parade of our kids. So it's three families, about 12 kids, anywhere from six to like 17. And I got a couple couple of the boys with me, and in particular this really fun six-year-old with me, and he's he's coming behind me, and we're going around the bend of this lake to Sandy Cove where you kind of leave the camp property proper and come into this, this more public space and that we were going to enjoy some creeks that day. And we get up to it, and you can see very, very drastically this, There's this, this what it looks like on the beach, and then the signs are, are totally different. It says nothing about Hume Lake, Christian camps, no, no code, code of conduct, uh, no rules. And so I'm like, all right, guys, welcome to Sandy Cove where there are no rules. And the little six-year-old kid said, no rules, awesome, I'm going to steal a dog. I'm like... <laughs> You're going to steal a dog? Like, it was right there, queued up. said, you're going to steal a dog? and I'm going to steal a cat. I'm like, what? Who is this kid? Like, these are the things that he was sort of, you know, thinking about. As soon as we peel away the rules, I'm ready to indulge in stealing people's pets. Like, just beneath the surface. And it was so funny. I mean, he didn't think about it. He's like, I'm going to steal a dog. If there's no rules, I'm taking somebody's pets. And it was super funny, but it's so indicative of, of, of a lot of our lives if we're honest, and you start to remove the guidelines, the rules, the laws, which we're seeing in the story of Samson, he's kind of taking them out himself. What's what's beneath is there can be some dark stuff right there. Like, if we're honest and you lean into that, man, if I wasn't following God, a lot of us can say that, if I wasn't following God, I, mean, I don't know what my life would look like. Because intuitively, in, in our hearts, in, in, in sort of the, the brokenness of our flesh, is people who steal dogs. I mean, it's it's sort of right there for all of us if you pull this, Pull this stuff away. And I don't know what that is for you. If, you. if you were like, okay, I walked out of this life and I have no rules, it's like I would just eat ice cream all day or something, right? Like if I don't have to worry about how I look or my health, like I'm just going to go all, all in on ice cream. Or I'd never pay taxes. Like I'd never pay taxes. Or I'd, I'd kill my husband. Like very innocent things like that. Man, husbands whose wives laughed at that, you should be worried. <laughs> they have thought about that. But, but, but we, like, we kind of have that stuff, that's sort of right there. Now, also, those of us who are in Christ, we're a new creation. We have victory. We are able uh, to get past that stuff. We have the Holy Spirit. So it's not all, all doom and gloom like if we just have the law. That was Old Testament, New Testament. Hey, you have Jesus now. I, I can remove some of this stuff, but still live this way guided by the Holy Spirit. All right, that's what Paul talks about in Ephesians 6. Like, hey, you have, you have Christ now. The, the mystery of the universe has been revealed. This, this magnificent God has given himself to you. You have all the power and authority in heaven and earth, but still put on suit of armor. When you go out in the day, still mentally prepare, still spiritually prepare. Protect your mind and your, and your soul. So it's both in. Yes, we're free and we have Jesus, but we still have to be careful to, to guard ourselves, if we step out into places where there's no guidelines, we, we can sort of drift into some dark places pretty quickly. And so this story of Samson in the Bible, though, he is a man of, of faith, Hebrews tells us. He, he's just a very faithless man by way, he, not a faithful man, by the way. he practices. He was given a certain code of law, a God to follow, this Nazarite vow. And he, and he sort of throws that all the way, and we've looked at him just dismantling that. Uh, chapter by chapter, almost verse by verse. And we'll see sort of the end of his story today. We'll, we'll cover a couple of things quickly, but it's a great few chapters. If you get a chance to read it on your own time, just to consider it. Because it really mirrors God's warning for his people and really also for us. All this stuff sort of carries over if we don't live this certain way. So last time we looked at him, he's married a girl he wasn't supposed to be with, it did not go well, the girl ends up dead, the father-in-law ends up dead, a bunch of guys got beat up and lost their stuff. A bunch of foxes got lit on fire and sent through a field and burned down. So a bunch of other guys got killed. I mean, it, it's getting really ugly. I mean, this story is about destruction and spiraling out of control. It's not, a, it's not really an a, a uplifting Sunday school story. It's tragic. It's tragic. And what, what the writer is showing us, is like, this is Samson, but it's also the nation of Israel. The more you move away from God's protection and his order, the worse things are going to get. And so Samson is going back and forth with the Philistines. He is uh, what's known as a judge now over Israel. So he's sort of their leader. They don't have a king, but he's kind of the leader of, of his people. And he's not leading well at this time. He's not leading in a godly, godly fashion. So he's just murdered a bunch of more guys. It says he, he kills a thousand guys with the jawbone of a donkey. I mean, this is just e- excessive violence and degradation. In, in lo- almost all through the book of Judges, it's a very adult sort of book. But it gets to. I to make sure the words were like, "Where are those kids at? Do they leave?" <laughs> Sorry, we'll cover it. Um, but it gets in the six, verse sixteen. Sorry, Brett. And yeah, everyone got quiet. What did he say? Um, so Samson, in the samson goliath story, starts in 16. It says one day Samson went to Gaza, where really where he shouldn't have been. This is Philistine land. Uh, he, he was okay maybe to sort of help protect Israel or, or, or politically have some relationship, but he shouldn't have been hanging out in these places. We've looked at that. He's in Gaza where he sees a prostitute, and he went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told Samson's here, so they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all day, all day and night at the city gate. And they made no move as they waited for him to come out. And they said "At dawn will kill him. So, so Samson, I, I mean, the, the story, it just keep, he just keeps getting worse, really, for this guy. I mean, it's, it's already ugly. And then we sort of see he just goes in to see this, see this woman, to go spend this night with this woman. And the author doesn't say that that was his first time or his last time or there was even sort of a consideration whether he should do it or not. Just like, yeah, kind of matter of fact, he just went in to see this. Because that's where he's at with his life. Like, that just seemed like where he would go. That's just kind of things he would do. And the people are waiting outside for him. Like, we're just going to take him out now because we know he's in there when he, when, he spends the, when he spends the night and he wakes up in the morning. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of him. And Samson is sort of in this place of his life where he's just so wrapped up in his self and sin that this stuff doesn't even slow him down. And we can kind of get there with our words, with our, you know, actions. Those little things that seem, used to seem like a big deal, you just sort of blow right through. Media you're taking in, how you talk about people, grace in your life, your, your commitment to the word, to prayer. Like, those things seem, like, important sometimes for many of us. Then you just start to slide through them. And then all of a sudden, like, you don't even care. He just goes in, like, I'm just, this is just what I do now. Like, what happened? There was a call in this guy's life. There was actually a high call in his life. And now he's sleeping with women in this, in this context. And he's just deceived by himself. And, he, and these people are waiting for him at dawn. And it says he got up, gets up in the middle of the night. And I don't know why he gets up in the middle of the night. Maybe he, maybe he knew they were gonna, he was in a dangerous place. Maybe he couldn't sleep because there's still a little bit of his conscience. Like, man, I probably shouldn't be here. And he sneaks out. Either way, he gets out. They lock the gate. He just rips the gate out of the ground. He carries it up on this hill and, 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 and kind of takes off. So he escapes any sort of consequence in that, in that moment. He's, he escapes sort of paying for anything he's been doing yet again, which is a, so much of the story of this guy's life. We'll see it come, come apart. But he's getting away with it time and time and time again. And maybe that's his talent, his looks, his stature, right? And we can, we can fall in that places when we're lifted up. He's accolades. He's done all this. He's this person. Rules don't apply to him. And he believes that. And he continues on this sort of ungodly fashion of his life. Shortly thereafter that, he sees this woman. He falls in love with this woman, uh, again, a Philistine woman that he should not have been with. He shouldn't know, he should have known about. He shouldn't have been in a relationship with. He falls in love with this woman, Delilah. This is around verse 5. And the rulers of the Philistines see this happening. They're like, oh, my gosh, there's Samson again. Because he just seems to come in and, you know, connect with their women. And they go to this woman, woman Delilah, and this is just this is not even a love story. It's it's the farthest thing from a love story. This is a this is if you want to learn about like what's the opposite of a love story, this is it, this this story. The Philistine rulers go to her and they said, See if you can lure him in to showing the secret of his strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. And each one of us will give you eleven. Hundred shekels of silver. This is a lot of silver from these like 140 pounds of silver. Just saying, hey, this guy likes you. We'll pay you a ton of money to let him like you, and then find out his secret so we can kill him. And that's how she goes into this relationship, and that's the relationship that he welcomes into his life. And he he may have not known how bad it was gonna get, but if he's paying attention, he knows it's not gonna go well. And when we invite these kind of things into our life, a lot of times, again, we know this is the story of God's people. This is us. It's not that we didn't know it was going to be harmful. We're like, eh, it's probably not going to hurt that bad this time, or maybe I can get away with it. So they get together. So Delilah says to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered, if anyone ties me with seven fresh thongs that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. So they're talking about sandals, not underwear. So tie me up with these things, and I'll, and I'll, I'll lose all my strength. So they, they picked up, there's a supernatural bit to him, is there, if there's any way to stop him. So he tells her this. This is how I'll be, this is how they can take me. So the rules of the Philistines brought her seven fresh strings that had not been dried, and she tied, tied them with them. With men hidden in the room, she called him. Samson, the Philistines are upon you, but he snapped throngs easily as a piece of, uh, of string snaps when it comes close to the flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, you have made a fool of me, you lied to me. Come now, tell me, how can you be tied? He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become weak as any other man. So the same thing happens. She ties him up. She says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He lifts his arm, he breaks the threads. Delilah then says to Samson, until now you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. If you weed seven braids of my, of my hair into the fabric of this loom and tighten it with a pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So she does that, and she calls, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke up from his sleep, he pulled the pin in the loom with, from the fabric, and he broke free. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me, and I haven't, you haven't told me the secret of your strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. She tells the Philistines, and, and, and they come, and she shaves his head. She says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out and shake myself free, but he did not know the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding in the prison, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been been shaved. So he, he's caught up in this situation, and if you think about this objectively, like he, he tells this woman, and maybe he knows, like this isn't true love, but I like having her around, and he tells her kind of this false information about himself, but, but he says, hey, if you tie me up this with this, I'll lose my strength. And all these soldiers come in to try to kill him. But then he does it again. Like, what does he think is going to happen? He's walking down this road, the same thing is happening th- three times in a row that she's deceiving him and going to take his life and ruin his life. But he's so caught up and, and blind to truth, and maybe he's so arrogant That he begins to wonder, I don't care, even if they cut my hair, I'm sure I'll be fine. Because even if God leaves me, I'll be fine. I'm strong enough, I'm smart enough, I'm brave enough, I have enough money. Whatever that thing is, he was believing that lie. He has bought into it. Because why else would he do that? I don't think he wanted to go lose his eyes and be put to a a grain to to mill in a prison. Oh sure, I'll tell you. Maybe she won't do it because she's done it three other times, and maybe this time she won't. But we can get caught up in those lies, in our relationships, with people, with ourselves. And this is just this tragic example of someone who's he's really gotten away with it so many times, time and time and time again, even to this point where this woman, he's getting really close. He just keeps getting away with it, and eventually it catches up. And I think he misinterpreted the merciful delay of God's judgment because God could have shut, shut him down anytime. time. But, but, but he misinterpreted God's mercy and delay of judgment or, or corrections, a sign that God didn't care. And don't mistake the absence of correction with the presence of God's approval. Just because you are getting away with something in your life doesn't mean that God's okay with it, even if he's not acting on you. Don't mistake the absence of correction with the presence of approval or the, or the presence that he doesn't even care. I'm just living this way. My life seems fine. Man, it will, the hammer will come down at some point. There's no reason to flirt with that or tempt, tease that out or tempt that out. And this, this judge of Israel has been living away very far apart from God, and God allows him to go through the motions for quite some time. Forces, man, this isn't enough, is enough, buddy. I love you, but this has got to stop. And that's a hard moment for us with God. I don't wish for those moments in my life. I try to avoid those moments where God has to eventually throw down on me because I've been getting away with something for a while. Maybe it's because of uh, personality or gifts or talents or way I can manipulate situations or cover things up or or lies. And I prefer to be on the other side of sort of God's correction. And sometimes in our lives, and this is, this is this guy's case, hopefully, and we're not even totally sure, but we can go on, like, making mistakes, and sometimes we're allowed to learn by failing, right? Some of us, we just, that's sometimes how we learn from a young age, like, man, I fell off my bike so many times, I, 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 I missed the ball this many times, I, whatever those things are, you know, eventually it starts to click in. I have to change some things. So even as adults, God will allow us to kind of like, all right, go for it a little bit, you'll learn by, by, by failing. And sometimes we do this with our, with our kids. You know, I watch my kids and they'll be doing something wrong or more like innocent stuff. They're not totally going to hurt themselves. Like, okay, I'll let that go a little while. Let's see how that works out. And then it doesn't. You're like, well, what do you think was going to happen? And it's kind of a lesson learned in that. And we're not much, much smarter than kids, if that. And so when we get to those places of life where things seem like they kind of got out of control, like, and I was like, well, what do you think was gonna happen? I'm like, I love you, but you did that. And we learned that way. I remember that's from the first time I was, you know, learning to cook cook steak. And my dad was a pretty good grill master, and we grew up cooking. My dad's my dad's a good cook, and we grew up in the kitchen, but I hadn't quite done the steak thing on the grill. And my dad said, like, Hey, you want to cook the steak today? And I'm like, sure, you know, like. Go out, it's marinated, and go out to the grill and and just, like, destroy this steak. I mean, I'm flipping it every two seconds. I'm squeezing all the juice out of it, like, getting the fire to come up. Anybody, like, you know, it's cool to see the fire come up and, like, just messing with it, right? And if you know anything about it, it's best, like, man, let that thing be. Flip it once and you're good. But, like, I'm just, like, poking at it. And it got all, like, cooked through and, like, pretty rubbery. And I'm, like, and uh, bringing in the eat. I'm, like, oh, man, I think I kind of ruined it my dad's like, well, here's how you, how you kind of cook a steak. I'm like, well, dude, why didn't you tell me? Because now we have to eat this junky steak. And he's like, I just wanted you to see what would happen if you didn't. Because sometimes if somebody tells you something, like a dad or God, you're always kind of wondering, like, well, I don't know. What if I do it my way? Genesis 2. It's a story of us. He said, don't do that. I'm like, ah, what does he know? Let me check this out. It's just an apple. It's just a woman that I shouldn't be with. It's just this job that's questionable, but I'm going to stay there. just my taxes, It's whatever it is. He doesn't really know. And so we learn that way sometimes. And Samson is in a very painful learning process. Occasionally, like even with Amy, I'll let her go on some stuff, and she does not like to learn that way. Working on tech or computer and like, doing something wrong, and like, hey, you know, you can do this. She's like, why didn't you tell me? I'm like, why well, I just want to let you learn. She's like, I'm not learning. I'm very angry right now. <laughs> but it's hard sometimes to be in those situations, and sometimes we feel a little bit dumb, like, oh my gosh, everybody knew except me. But we can learn through those those experiences, and so so Samson's in that process. Right? we see this in sports all the time. I heard someone, you know, on the radio again this week. It's some sports guy. And even with my with my kids, like, why is that guy, he's throwing it all away, he has millions of dollars in everything, every every little boy's dream. And now he's in prison or or worse, and he's and he's caught up and, and suspended. Some of these guys just never had to learn. They were too good their whole life. And if you look at the story of Samson, it's interesting compared to some of the other judges and leaders. You don't hear the voice of a prophet in this guy's life. You don't hear the voice of any kind of counsel at all. This guy is a one-man show. He's a loner. The, the, The little voice you did hear early on was his parents that he disregarded. And then it's just all him. And the guy just rolls himself, and that's dangerous. I don't care how good you are, how gifted you are. That will catch up with you. He judges Israel for 20 years. He doesn't ever seek any help from anybody else. So he's taken away, and this, this idea of losing your eyes and having to mill grain was a, kind of a common prisoner of warfare practice. So they weren't being particularly spiteful against Samson, though I'm sure they hated him. Uh, but in this, this wartime, they would cut people's eyes out and make them just push a push mill around grain uh, for grain. And so he's, he's, in, their, he's in captivity, and uh, there's this big party going on, uh, this great big sacrifice to one of their gods, the Philistine gods, and they're celebrating their God because their God now delivered Samson into their hands, which is an interesting other bit of deception that we'll, we won't fully get into today. But from their perspective, they've been praying to this God to deliver them from Samson. And what happened? They got Samson. And it's an interesting sort of twist on some of our where we're reading things from. But these guys, they were all in on their thing. It seemed to be working. And so they have this, this, big, this big party, this sacrifice, it's debauchery, you know, drinking and all kinds of inappropriate relationships and relations. And they bring Samson out and say so they're in high spirits. This is verse 25. They shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of prison and he performed to them. So they, they were making really a mockery of this, of this guy. He was such a such a person. They bring him out, entertain us now. And they stood him along, among these pillars and Samson said to the servant who held his hand, this is probably a boy, and it, this was a side note. They, they had, Samson maybe, what, he must have not have looked all that fantastic. He, he maybe didn't look like this monster of a muscle person because they just had a boy kind of guarding him, or maybe he was that crippled. But either way, the Philistines were giving him zero, zero respect. Uh, he had a little servant guiding him around. He says to this, this servant, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so I may lean against them. Now, the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. And this is the upper echelon of their government, all here having a good time partying. Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me, O God. Please strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson reached toward the two center pillars, the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And He pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Then his brothers and his father and whole family went down to get him and they buried him. So he has his final feat, this final act of, of his strength and he's between these, these, these pillars and he prays out to God and he you don't see him ever pray out to God any other time, but sometimes isn't isn't in our darkest, weakest, brokenest moments when we when we eventually call out to God? I, and I don't like to have to get there. I don't think He wanted to get there, but God is fine to take the long road there. He's like, man, whatever it takes to get you to cry out to Me, we'll we'll, we'll do that. He's like, I'll go there. I got all the time in the world. And Samson's in this in this place of of weakness. And he knows he doesn't have his own strength, and he's, he's coming to grips like, wow, okay, maybe it wasn't just me this whole time, which is a great place to come to in life if you can get there. It's not all you, whatever choices you made, and you worked hard, and that, that's, that's great, we do that. But to remember, ah, you know what? I'm part of God's story, and he's given me the strength to get here. And he finally calls out, and he pushes down the, the, these pillars. And, and I don't know, this sort of idea these sort of pillars and this final act of his life so we all have this stuff that's been hanging, you know, hanging over us. How do we get to that next level? How do I get God's strength to push this stuff out of my way? Just remembering it's God's strength. It's, it's calling out to God, I, 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 I can't do this, I need you. And I think it's never too late to be who God created you to be. And here's the other thing about this guy, because it kind of ends, it sort of ends okay, but when he prays out, he's like, let me get revenge on the Philistines for what? My eyes. He's still kind of thinking about himself. And God used that, and I, I, I believe he used that, and the Philistines, it threw them off a little bit, just enough to maybe buy Israel some breathing room in the greater scheme of, of land and nation. But he's like, man, my eyes. And what got him into trouble in the first place? His eyes. Like, he eventually lost them. The thing he had been sinning with his entire life, God eventually threw down on. And God will do that. And he'll push us and squeeze us to get us to cry out. Some of us are very stubborn. You know who you are if you're a stubborn person. I don't know if God's even involved with my life. I, I got to sort this stuff out on my own. I was like, all right. But he finally came back and he calls out. And he, and, he, and he throws down his life and he has this sort of final moment. And, and he'd go down and sort of a little bit just at the end, he kind of saves his reputation a little bit in Israel this sort of grand final act. And, and I was thinking about this this morning. Like, don't live a life that requires you making up for it in your final act. Because I us think, eventually I'll get there. Like, eventually I'll figure this out. I'll get my faith in order. I'll get my family in order. I'll get my finances in order. I'll love my kids. I'll spend more time with them. Eventually I'll, I'll do it. And we talked a couple weeks about weeks ago, like, you let your relationships drift with your wife. I'm like, man, if I could just get on a date, we'll be fine. If I could just get on vacation, we'll be fine. Hey, don't live your life that way. Like, eventually I'll get there, and then I'll take care of everything at once. And nobody, nobody really wants that. I and mean, consider the deep value of every day. as something Samson missed out on. He missed out on. And honestly, if you think about his life, he, he, he lives a certain way, and he's already maimed. And like, man, what was he really giving up at this point? He was kind of done. He's working in a prison, pushing a stone around. He's blind. Yeah right. He you know he took himself out to get revenge on a bunch of people, but it's still kind of tragic. It's tragic, and in some some ways it's easier to kind of lump our lives in these big moments. Like if I could just get there, I'll take care of everything. I can die once. It's easy to die once. What is Jesus saying? Look, pick up your cross, follow me daily. Paul, Peter, it's about this daily work. And anyone can kind of suck it up for one special moment. This guy's like, all right, I got this one thing in my life. I'm going to do it. All right, that's a little bit of the easy way out, dude, compared to the rest of your life. It's easy to die once, but, man, real people of faith, real followers of Jesus, I man, they give their lives daily. Give your lives daily. We God, thank you for who you are, for your story of, of people. I thank you for the Bible, God, this text that is so honest and doesn't paint us in a light that is... Is grand and perfect but it's broken and messed up and self-centered help us to learn from that God help us to learn from these moments Lord Lord I can't speak to where everyone is but we all have stuff that maybe we've been getting away with that we know needs a little work Lord I just pray out to you just collectively as a church that you would give us the strength to humble ourselves to you Lord, before you Lord give us the strength to get past those sort of handicaps in our lives God we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Gilio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to neuechurch.com. That website address again is neuechurch.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.